you posted on Facebook and you try to explain to everyone what this moment was like. And you cannot touch it because it is bigger. It's all around you. You can smell the, the cedar or the pine trees or the breeze. You can hear the sounds of birds. You're standing in, in whatever kind of atmosphere is there, warm, cold, cool, whatever is happening. And it's all-inclusive. You're snapping one snapshot, looking one direction, yet your peripheral vision can see all of that, and your body feels the rest of it. And we have a Christian life with snapshots when there are layers and layers and layers of things that are going on. And it's all around us. There's atmosphere. There are views that are in the peripheral vision, but we snapshot, or somebody presented us with a snapshot in this direction. But there's a whole lot going on over here. Maybe a whole lot going on back there. There's more up that way, and there's more down there. And it takes layers. So we're working on layers to try to put this into some kind of context. So who are the enemies? I should be familiar with this since we did Ephesians 6 like forever. Who are these enemies? Well, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6. So that's the enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these rulers, authorities, these beings who have charge over areas of human existence, over this world, in, in different areas. Different, the, the terms there that are used are of geographical space. And they have rulership over some particular area, particular group of people, particular um, realm that they have. Heavenly beings, invisible to us, not invisible to each other, not invisible if we weren't physical, but we live in this physical realm. Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, which is the heavenly places is not the heaven where God is seated, but the heavenly places that happen to be the invisible space, dimension around us, that is the second heaven, or the, the, and here, in this particular realm as well. So we're dealing with them. As David pointed out, we're dealing with them. So why would the lightning happen to get us maybe last night before all this began? You go, huh, maybe somebody doesn't want this getting out anywhere. So some of these forces do not want to be uncovered or spotted or uh, identified. So we may be dealing with some of that. So as we begin this, let's pray, because we've got to deal with some of those things with the power of God. Father, we come to you. You are the Most High. There is no other God like you. And we look to you, Lord, to overcome, to give us victory over these spiritual forces of darkness. And Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, who has reclaimed the victory on this world, we turn and we ask in his name, Lord, that those evil forces be forced out, not left in this place, not in this building, not on us. Nobody 
piggybacked one in here. It's done. And Lord, free our minds and prepare our hearts for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we've got God's creation. And ah, I get to draw pictures. There are, in this creation, we'll put two kinds of things going on here. And earthly. Ooh, that's got to be there. We have two kinds of beings. There are a couple of circles to represent that. One, the heavenly ones, the spiritual ones, those were created first. So God's been in relationship with his creation. The beings who were with him, he expresses in different times, he will point to, or in the scripture, it will just reveal that there are these beings like the ones who were singing that were at creation. So they were supportive, they were excited about what God was doing when he built this world, this universe, when he put human beings on this place. And they're looking at that, and they recognize that God has done something unique. He has made people, these humans, are in his image. That's different. That's different from the way he's done before. He's created beings. They have had purpose. They have had, they're able to think in relationship. They have free will. They have all of those things. And they've been around. They've been around a while. To us, they are invisible. They are not invisible to him or each other. So that whole other realm out there that we don't see right now, our loved departed ones do because they've left the physical realm. So they see those that's, that's what's going on. When we leave this physical realm, we'll see that too, and it is the thing that's going to continue. That exists, continues to exist forever. It's been out there. It's going to continue to exist. God created that. That's, and then in the middle of piece of heavenly universe, God created the earthly one, and the, the physical universe we know and set up the, the system that he has now because he wanted uh, fellowship and relationship with human beings made in his image. So that's a different kind of being. doesn't mean there aren't other beings. And there are lots of them. So when you go through scripture and you come up with, well, there, there are angels, demons, and humans. We're done. And... We don't need to think about it anymore. In fact, we'll just read the book on angels. We'll read a book on demons. And they'll say, yes, these hap- this thing happened, this thing, and, and no further discussion. You read through the scripture. You read through Ezekiel. You look at the first part of, of Revelation. You start looking at the creatures seated around the throne of God. That look like just one thing. There are amazing creatures out there. The first world, when it was created, had so much variety and and the vegetation that was on the, on the earth, and the animals that were on the earth, the 
kinds of fish. And so they find fossils all the time. You've seen those. And they're, the variety is um, enormous. And it's so much more than we have now in the second world. That existed in that first world because God created and he said, boom, I'm on, I, I want this to be just full of colorful, wonderful, creative things. And he did it. And of course, in our mind, there's, there are angels. Boom. We play harps in heaven forever. Boom. Who would sell us something that narrows it all down to one dimension and tries to convince us that that's all we got? And it doesn't even begin to talk about the creativity of God and what he has done. So it's immense. This, all happened, this is all, all around us. And it's out there, was here before, will be here after. People show up, we show up, we're in this world. So now we're operating in the physical, earthly, and of course there's the breakdown in all of this, where for, from God's side there's a rebellion. The rebellion, that's how we find out about these other uh, creatures that, or beings, is we find out there's a serpent who is leading the way in this darkness, and gets to our forefather and foremother and led into the, rebel the human rebellion. But there had to be a rebellion against God first, leading to the rebellion of the humans. And that takes us to Genesis chapter 3, which we've covered. That's the fall. And um, that's probably the place where everything stops when we talk about, so how do we get in the mess? And it's because of the fall. Without the following understanding of what happened in Genesis chapter 6, which was the straw that broke the camel's back and led to the flood. So there's another rebellion of heavenly beings, another bunch of them who get involved in that part. And so now with that group, they began to have sex with the women, and now we've got the Nephilim, we've got giants in the land, and that group get, gets punished, and they're sent to Tartarus, which we pick up in Second Peter. And we, get, we get some other information about these beings that played a huge part in all of the things that followed. So from the uh, first century Jewish perspective, when the New Testament was written, they understood that it was the fall in Genesis 3, the rebellion in Genesis 6 of these spiritual beings who entered into the physical world and then created these hybrids. And they understood that, that was a, that's just the reality. There was punishment for the ones who had led into that. And in their teaching, in, in the first century Jewish understanding of all of that, there were demonic creatures, demonic beings, were the spirits of those children the angels themselves are chained, remember, in Tartarus. So they got punished. I mean, they're, they're sealed up until the end time revelation says they get released. So we've got them out of the picture. The demonic is assumed that, well, when Satan left heaven, he took a third of the angels with him. So that's the assumption. But in Revelation, when it's talking about a third of the angels, it doesn't tell which angels 
It's not like that angel is a messenger. That's a job description. It's not the name of this group. So angels has to do with a, a, uh, a specific, well, it could be a specific group that had a specific responsibility, and he took a third of them. How many is that? Don't know. What's the assumption we've been told? Third of all heavenly beings. No. Third of some group that have fallen under Satan's control and lies and have gone his direction. And it happens when you read the context in Revelation, and that's the only place it's mentioned. It's not mentioned in Genesis. Revelation is talking about the birth of Jesus. Something happened at the birth of Jesus that led Satan to gather some some of these heavenly beings and they turned to the dark side. Have there been demons before? Were there demons before Jesus' birth? Yeah. Then where'd they come from? That's where the Jewish... Um, teaching and understanding of what happened in Genesis chapter 6 plays a part. It's those spirits that were the in-between the heavenly beings and the earthly beings who died and they are looking for bodies. When they are, when Jesus deals with them, he calls them unclean spirits. What is it in the Old Testament that is referred to as unclean, unclean marriage, unclean. Um, so if you've got a Jewish or a Hebrew person of Israel marrying into an outsider who's worshiping another god, that's called unclean. So when we're dealing with unclean spirits, the only way they could get to be that is there's some kind of hybrid relationship that's come out of this not otherwise they're just evil spirits there's darkness they're they're authorities principalities and powers there's another thing going on so we've got a demonic power demonic powers that are uh, spread into the world as a result of some things that happened in genesis chapter six then we get to genesis chapter 11 these are all the things we've already covered so we're not going into some of that but Genesis chapter 11 then we have the people gathering together when God says I want you to go fill the earth subdue it go live your lives and they go now let's build a city let's build a tower let's let's reach to the heavens which is a way of saying we want to reach up to God and we'll we want we want control of this and we want control of the most high that's, and that's going to make us famous if we do this. And God says, no, nah, you're going to be famous, but not for that. And that's, he separates them with the languages, and he divides them according to the number of the heavenly council, which are the heavenly beings who he has gathered together, and he speaks with and discusses things with, and because he wants to include us. He doesn't need any of us. He doesn't need any of them. He just decides... I want to include people and make decisions and let's let us go down and let let us participate and so he gets them together divides the nations we get a list of 70 nations in in the table of nations in chapter 10 so that's 
assumed that that's the group that's going out, 70 different groups of people going out around the world, taking different languages with them. So that's a family base of languages. Just like Noah on the ship, by the time the ark lands, he doesn't have every kind of dog, every kind of cat, every kind of... He has, what, one or two, seven of some. That's it. He's got a family. So he's got something that starts with, this is the cat family. And out of that, the DNA is there to make lions and hairless cats, which, what's the point? But all of the DNA is there for them to do all of these all the variety of dogs and horses and all the things that we see. But he didn't have to have every individual. He just had to have whatever was central to that family. Same thing in the languages. So we have all these different languages. We have Romance languages that branch off into Latin and Spanish and French and Italian. And, but there's, it's an Indo-European language that comes from over by India. And you go, okay, well, most of the European languages did that. So it's an Indo-European language that spread. Well, I don't understand what they're saying, but the family, the language is there. So there's elements of that in every group. In Africa and Asia, there's a family, a language family. Apparently there are, when they... Uh, Wycliffe Bible translators and some of these others who are working on, on understanding languages and how they went out. There's 70 families, apparently 7,000 kind of languages around. When they start looking at the families, it comes down to, they got it down to 168, and with further research, they're looking at that and going, you know, some of these could be, man, it might be like about half that. Could be like 70. Well, that's weird. So there's a whole lot of stuff that's all coming out of Genesis 3, Genesis 6, Genesis 11, and then it just explodes with, the, with these nations going out. Then we have, um, oh, I'll put this in there, nations and providence. So Acts 17, 26, for one man, from one man, God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. So here are all these nations and people groups, and they're going out all over the place. And, and they're, so they're spreading out. God is, sees what's happening, and he's determined you're going to go this direction. I want you down in Africa, you over in Asia. You. And then he moves them back and forth, and they kind of crisscross at times. Here's the... Uh, delegation from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. So he gives us that in Deuteronomy 32, 8. That's the understanding that the people of Israel had as they're looking at, okay, here's the worldview. This is how we understand the world. This is the heavenly and spiritual side of it connected to the earthly, physical side of it. And, and God is at work, and he's working among these nations. He has chosen Israel as his part. Jacob is his nation. So out of all of the other nations, he's chosen to work with Abraham's kids and show the world this is what it's like if you're listening to me. So everybody else has been assigned someone from the heavenly court. He kept 
Israel or Jacob to himself. And so they get his special attention, they get the law, they get the scriptures, they get all of that. And then we find out that these uh, others who from the heavenly court decided, well, how about we get some worship in this? So they set themselves up to draw attention. And then as we look into various cultures, we find Zeus and Jupiter and Horus and all, you know, we just start finding all of these different gods that are showing up in different ways. And it's in every culture. How did that happen? Heavenly court. They rebelled. So that's a third rebellion. And that's heavenly to the earthly. It affects the earth and the people and us. Bless you. So we've got, we've got a mix of things going on. So we're told uh, in Persia, and we've read this one before, the spirit, uh, prince of Persia in Daniel 10, 13, but for 21 days the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. This is the angel trying to talk to, uh, give the info, the answer to uh, Daniel's prayer. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the king, of Persia. So there's a battle going on. It's in the heavenlies. And Daniel, who's either number two in the kingdom or high official, depends on who, which king and when, what era this prayer is happening. So we, we have him praying. God hears it, immediately sends out. And when you say angel, that's the job description. That means messenger. So he is on a mission to get this to Daniel and when and it takes 21 days so there's this battle and Michael helps and so you kind of get the idea there's more to this there's more going on out there and it and it usually comes down to well Lord I prayed for this for for Joe Bob and it didn't happen I've been waiting yeah probably so there may be a battle going on but it's just me and Joe Bob and my bad feelings or bad situation or... No, there's a whole lot more going on. But the electric went out and all of our power supplies got blown in the whole dang church. There's a whole lot more going on. No, isn't it just... It's just a physical reality. The electric hit, power spiked, done. There's a whole lot more going on. Just snapshots. Here's the physical. Here's my problem. I'm upset. God, fix it. And God in heaven's going, I heard you. I understand it hurts. We're in a battle here. Remember, the battle is not flesh and blood. No, my problem is flesh and blood. God in heaven says, your problem is not. Probably saying, quit whining. Start praying. Get your armor on. Hold up the shield. Do what I told you. Pray. But prayer doesn't really do anything. You know, it's a pointless exercise. I don't see anything happening. Really? Because how much of this do you see? All of us. How much of this do we see? And if the battle's going on and we trust God that He's at work, then we pray. Don't be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make those requests known to God, and then He gives you peace. Do we know what's going on here? 
Probably not. Okay, human rulers. So we've got, we've got this spiritual powers at work, and they are influencing different things. So we've got Persia. We'll use them. And you know that is today. So Iran. Daniel's dealing with praying, and he's praying for some big things and to understand what God is doing and for his people. And he's entering into that heavenly place, and he's doing this for days, obviously three weeks that we know of. So... What do we know about Persia? Well, what we know about Persia, apart from Daniel 10, is it all happens over here. Because we've seen the stone carvings or pictures of some of those glyphs, and we go, well, you know, we know what happened in Persia, and the history of Persia, and there was a Persian king. So when the Lord is dealing with kings and leaders and princes of these nations, he's dealing with a physical earthly one, and a heavenly one. Was there a prince of Persia on earth? A physical one? Yeah. That's who Daniel worked for. What were they dealing with? The spiritual one. The one assigned to the nation. When this all got divided up. So. Anybody dealing with Iran today? They're, they have said we are their enemy. And they have made it clear that they want Israel wiped off the map which has been going on since. Because who would be opposed? Let's see. The ones who were given responsibility in the heavens to take care of those nations. And they are in rebellion against God and against God's nation. And if we're going to represent or befriend Israel, they're after us. And if we're going to walk with Jesus, they're after us because we represent that nation because we become Abraham's children. Therefore, we are part of the new royal nation, Israel. Yeah. 21 days. So prayer is heard by God his, and the power is released and your prayers that seem to be moving little may be doing a great deal of good. It may be a battle. It may be 21 years before the answer comes. And it may be 400 years. Because some of the things that the prophets were saying were coming didn't happen. Isaiah's time, we, we got 750 years before some of that with Jesus shows up. Have you ever just been mad at God because he didn't take care of it right away? And he's at work. He's sending out messengers, angels, the angelic, to take care of that. Heavenly beings of some description that you read through those things, it'd be quite interesting to see them at work. And Michael in battle with the spirit uh, prince of Persia. Yeah, this, this thing is, this is no small matter. And what's happening in, in the politics around us, the views of people, whole groups of people, you say, how could they, they be swayed how could that happen so quickly? Hmm. The rebellion happened. Genesis 3. Genesis 6. Heavenly beings who'd seen God. And, well, so did Adam and Eve. So he walked in the garden with them. 
They'd seen him in the heavens, and they rebelled. Another group, and Genesis 11. And now we've got nations battling, and we've got God at work because he's trying to prove and show his glory, not only to the people on earth, but to the heavenly beings. And he is, he is and if you get a hold of this, when you read through the New Testament again, you will see it everywhere. And you go, oh, that's what he was doing there. That's why he did that. Why do a cross? Why send the Son of God to a cross? We have some idea about the blood, but that was hidden from these guys. They didn't know that was coming. They wanted to kill him, remember? The devil wanted to get rid of him as a baby. He wanted to get rid of him later. They send people along. It doesn't happen. Jesus gets out of it over and over again because time's not right. Then when the time was right, he just walks right into it. They didn't expect that. The devil comes into Judas. Turn him in. Let's get rid of him. And then we're told by Paul, if those powers had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Kept it a secret. You wonder why, why didn't God just explain everything in the Bible? Because it would make it so much easier. Just give us all the information. If he just said that, all that in the Old Testament, everybody, every, every Jew in the New Testament would have just believed if they'd just all seen it, just written out. And these guys would have seen it too. How much of the New Testament do you think is just so clearly written? Or is there something there? that he's hiding from these guys. He does tell us that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. He will give us more than, because he's not going to let these guys know, but the Spirit can tell us more. There's a, there's a whole heavenly aspect to this, a different dimension that's at work. But prayer is key in all of this. I hope you're getting that. That's the battle. I mean, we, we have the power to take on the enemy with such force when we come to to God in prayer which is what he's asked us to do but it also releases his power in ways that penetrates all of that and gets into the earth and he is at work accomplishing his will he's battling the these uh, beings that have have rebelled that are controlling nations and people groups and um, he's giving us a whole new a whole new beginning of uh, possibility with prayer that we wouldn't even know. How do you deal with, what if we've got different uh, ideas about how politics should work or how this country, uh, you know, Russia's a threat, China's a threat, and we're a threat to them, and how do you get along, and, and there's, there's more on, going on. How do you deal with the internal struggles that are happening in our country you watch the economy go up and down. You watch a pandemic unfold. You watch social act. People don't even know what gender they are. So tell me, where does that come from? Who's influencing groups? But our prayers aren't doing anything. You know, if we can just do something, we, if we could just have banners and signs printed and marched in the streets. We could change things. 
or get the right people elected to office. We could change things. It's prayer. Daniel was that guy. Daniel, Joseph, that guy. David, that guy. What did they do? Prayed. Turned to God. Did it his way. Wonder what we ought to do. <laughs> we ought to pray. Yeah. And know that God's at work. And we may not know what the battle is. And we don't know how long it's going to take Michael or whoever he sends to defeat whatever enemy that is. Unless he opens our eyes, which he does from time to time to see that stuff. Psalm 89, verses 5 through 7. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. The assembly of the holy ones. That's that group. There's a group of people. Not the, this is the, these are the ones who are gathered in support because the, the Lord still has a council. Let me take you to Revelation. So you picture Revelation, the scene in heaven. And there seated on the throne is the Lord God. Around him, 24 elders. Who are those guys? Is that a council? We've got tons of other heavenly beings surrounding that, calling out holy, holy, holy. We've got four with really weird heads right in front of the, the elders. That's a council. That's a gathering. I've got more to tell you about councils, but we can't. We'll do that right now. Let the heavenly, heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. That's him. Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord. So our enemies, as God's people, are the invisible forces of darkness. Twisted truth and expanding evil reflects the influence of God's people uh, that follow, that your prayers are not wasted. So study, train, and practice powerful praying. God has not abandoned his creation nor his purposes. He is awesome above all. He's not stepped back. He's not failed. He has worked on our behalf to accomplish his purposes given the rebellions that he's seen and he foresaw, but he knew it was coming because he wants people in the heavens, his beings in the heavens, and his people on earth to worship him out of a free and true heart just come to love him to see him as who he truly is huh. so why would the first commandment be have no other god before me hmm. because the other gods are out there they're still out there they didn't go away we're still dealing with them they are undercover as much as they can be at least among in our culture. And they are trying to drag people down, and they are being really successful in uh, grabbing human beings' attention because 
For one, they don't believe who God is. The other is they don't know this. Most Christians don't even recognize these things. And they pretend like the scriptures are non-spiritual. It's just rational, reasonable, logical. You know, we're talking about a God who created like that. And then we're talking about Jesus who dies on the cross and deals with the sins of everybody in the whole world. And for most of the people in the West, Western Europe, America, you go, you know, being a sinner, and they go, no, no, I'm a pretty good guy. That guy over there next door, that guy, he's got problems, not me. And the whole idea of being a sinner, having a problem, having, being separated from God, how many people in your family, people you know, assume they're, they're, they're okay? But they're not. And God is giving us something that is irrational in the minds of this world, but is perfectly sane and perfectly true and perfectly rational if we use godly sense. So we are in a position to make a difference in all of that by our prayers, by entering in, by doing the battle, by believing that this is not all flesh and blood. Is there a place for flesh and blood and we got to go do something? Sure. But sometimes that is easier to do than the spiritual side, the spiritual battle. So please keep praying. It makes a huge difference. Let's pray, and, and uh, well, since nobody's really going to be out there, we'll just we'll take questions just in case there are any. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for, the, thank you for the word. Thank you for the things you were doing to protect us, to guide us, to, to keep us uh, close. Thank you for putting your arms around us. Thank you for your heavenly messengers, the angelic beings who are on duty all around us. And uh, thank you for uh, the joy of knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen.